Okay, so today's going to be a very interesting daily cyber. Uh, still on the topic of COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Uh, I've got two nurses from the Gritty Nurse podcast. Uh, they're from the GTA, uh, Amy and Sarah. They're both co-hosts of this podcast, and they talk about what's going on in the industry uh, in the GTA with nursing, the COVID virus, and kind of everything that's going on. So I'm having today them on my podcast today to really kind of talk about what's going on, what do we really need to know, and a lot more questions. So grab a tea, grab a coffee, get ready for this. Let's hack at it. Well, thank you so much, Amy and Sarah, for coming out and just being on the podcast. I'm so appreciative to learn more about what's going on in the health field and the GTA from two nurses in the sweat in what's going on with the COVID-19. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thanks a lot. We're excited to be here. So now I have a quick question just to kind of get this going. I mean, COVID-19 is kind of one of those big hot topics we're seeing all in the news, we're seeing the media. Everyone's talking about it, good or bad. You know, it, this is all a hoax or versus it's the end of days. You know, what, oh, yeah. is, what is COVID-19? Uh, the how, You know, what is this really is all about? Is it the flu? You know, is it, you know, SARS? What is it really all about? Sarah, do you want to jump in or do you, we could just kind yeah, of? Yeah, well, I think that's that's a really good question. So I, I think so. I think we should start with some terminology first. So coronavirus is sort of an umbrella term to include uh, viruses like the flu, like the cold, um, like more uh, severe strains like SARS, MERS, and now it's expanded to include COVID-19. So it's really just an umbrella term for the structure of the virus. So I think that's one thing that we want to clarify as well is that Viruses are very prevalent in our society, especially uh, from basically November-ish to March is our flu season, as we know every year. We're always encouraged to get the flu shot. Um, COVID is obviously something a bit different, so we know that um, it does cause a bit more severe symptoms and uh, things like that. So it's something that we have not encountered for a long time. But I think just in terms of infectious diseases, it's more, it's not... Um, if it's going to occur, it's more like when is it going to happen? Because we all know that things mutate and they happen all the time. And with our society being as globalized as it is, it does. There are very many opportunities for things to spread quickly. Wow, and it's true. I mean, I mean we see it like every the kids are the worst, right? You know, your kids go to school yeah. and they come in, they uh -huh. you, know, you know they have you know snotty noses, colds, and coming out, and they just kind of spread amongst each other, right? We're kind of seeing that, well, but in a bigger population density. Right. I think the contagiality of this disease is is what makes it really different. I think if we think about like the common cold or the flu, it's still spread the same way through contact and through a droplet. So like if you sneeze or you cough and you don't cover up your sneeze and cough, that's how we're going to transmit this disease from one person to the next. So for example, we're always telling people to wash your hands. If you sneeze or you cough, you want to sneeze or cough into your elbow or your sleeve. So we know in terms of how it's spread, that that is one of the the mechanisms that it spread. And and we as humans are kind of like the vectors. So let's go back over that because I mean, we're hearing all this kind of discussions about social distancing and all that. Is there a certain distance you need to be from someone for contracting it? Like, is it six feet? Because you hear about this sneezing and it's <laughs> mm -hmm. the distance is six feet, things yeah. like that. Like, what, what are we really talking about? 
So we're looking at six feet, two meters. And the reason why we're saying that distance is if you've ever seen any of those like YouTube videos where someone's sneezing, that's the radius in which um, how far a sneeze can actually uh, reach in terms of the distance. Right. So we're asking people to stay away in terms of two feet or six meter, sorry, <laughs> six feet or two meters away to kind of prevent that uh, droplet or contact spread. Okay. Now, what about like surfaces? Like we all hear about. Right. So Amy just spoke about the droplet method of uh, spreading. So the droplet, which is one, and there's uh, contact, which is the second one. So obviously we know if we touch someone, you know, we're touching their hands. That's one method. But there's also common surfaces. So let's say if you touch the doorknob and I were to go touch the same doorknob, whether it be hours or even days later, we could potentially spread the virus that way. So that's why we're so um, really hammering the message home that people need to wash their hands, but also, um, if possible, cleaning and sanitizing common surfaces is important, um, but that's the harder piece to it, I think. We're all pretty aware of not going out when we are sick or you know, wearing a mask when we sneeze, but it's the contact part that I think is more difficult. So yeah, sorry, you, you kind of cut out there a little bit, Sarah. Yeah. I, I don't know if you, you knew that. So yeah, yeah I saw that. <laughs> yeah, just a, I'm sure okay. it's just the internet connection. Uh, so again, you're saying the contact surface, there are surfaces actually kind of on, you know, doorknobs, things like that. And kind of that's where you kind of cut out. Yeah, so uh, common surfaces like doorknobs, or if you're on transit, let's say the pole that you're going to touch, or just any surface that is common that a lot of people will touch, that's um, a very common way of spreading the infection. So we know that um, viruses can live for days on certain surfaces. And so that's why it's really important that we are talking about hand hygiene. So uh, after touching a surface that you think may be contaminated, just um, washing your hands or using that alcohol hand-based uh, sanitizer. And the way that it actually spreads to us is when we touch our mouth and nose, because we know that this virus is spread through the uh, respiratory tract. So it not just needs a vector like your hand, but it needs a surface like an orifice to basically uh, get into your body that way. So no, it can't, right. it can't go through penetration. Cause I know like they would say uh, that anything that you rub onto your skin, 70, it can 70% will go into your bloodstream and, and go through that way. So we're saying that's not a possibility, correct? Uh, not to my knowledge, okay. Amy, do you know anything more? I, I believe it's just the, the action of touching your hand to your face is the main way that it's spread to your, right. your or, body. Or if someone coughs or sneezes, those actual droplets hitting your face or any of those orifices in which it can kind of absorb into. But again, I want to kind of remind everybody the science is changing so rapidly, right? So I understand that it can live on surfaces for anywhere to 24 to 36 hours and some viruses are even longer. And, and really, I think we're talking about just those hard surfaces, not necessarily soft surfaces. So who knows in terms of what new evidence might come out? Um, but really we're looking at hard surfaces. Cause I know some people have asked me like, Oh, what if I get a package from China or what if I get a letter or an envelope? Can coronavirus be on that? I'd say that it's highly unlikely that it would be, that it would be able to live and thrive that long. I think we're mm -hmm. talking mainly about hard surfaces. Okay. Hard surfaces. Okay. So let, let's talk about like the actual fear of everything that's going on. Like, I, I hear kind of different camps. I hear one camp that's saying that, you know, self-quarantine, we're going to need to follow this. We need to kind of stay in indoors for 14 days. But then you have the other camp where it's not really a big deal. 
you know, what's going on in the economy? The economy's starting to break down. There, I think the the health system and media are overreacting. In my area, the hospitals are empty. Nothing's going on. And I'd love to hear kind of what your take is on that from people that are on the on the grass, you know, in the in the roots of everything that's going on. Well, I think it might be generational too, right? Like I think with, I guess I would be considered a millennial. Oh dear, <laughs> that might be uh, speaking to my age. But I know like, it seems like it's really, there's, there are some people that are, um, I guess, I don't want to say more educated, but m- millennials tend to be a little bit more in terms of risk taking. And I don't know why that is. And I think there's more than enough ev- evidence and science out there that actually says like what's actually happening with this particular virus. So we have seen people, um, I guess it would have been just last week on spring break being like, oh, you know, I can't get coronavirus. Look at me. I- I'm invincible. And then, you know, we hear the news reporting a 23 year old on a ventilator. So I don't think this disease is actually choosing anybody in particular. Like I think anybody susceptible, there are people that are at greater risk, but it's not a disease for just old people. Like young people can get this disease as well. Sorry, this virus as well. Right now. So, but is is it really that much of a concern? Is it, you know, you like, we're talking about like, you know, you hear Italy, you hear China and I mean, they're going into, and even in the United States now you're here, they're going almost to the total lockdown, right? You know, with social distance and you hear the martial law and, and, you know, the, yeah, the armies might be coming in, kind of all that stuff, just to really kind of control this down. And you hear people like, and I'm hearing on my side, a lot of people saying, that's really overkill. We don't need to do that. It's not that bad. And I love to kind of hear like what you guys are hearing because, you know, you guys are hearing technical information from the like World Health Organization all the way down to right, in, right, right. into your medical systems. They're telling you kind of really what's going on. Right. Well, I, I think, think we have a really good. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think we have a really good opportunity to just um, err on the side of caution because as we said, things are changing daily. Like we don't know this virus very well. It's so new. And what we do know that is um, it's much more severe than the flu, both in terms of symptoms and also uh, mortality. So I think we're at a really good opportunity where we should err on the side of caution. We should stay at home until we can better understand how this is spread because as we know um, or maybe some people don't know when it first originated in China um, they didn't know what the incubation period was and so that means the time at which you're exposed to the virus to the time you start to show symptoms which we now know is anywhere between two to seven days but could be as long as 14 days so that's why there's that 14 day um, isolation period and we also know that it came at a really bad time so it was at the time which was right before Chinese New Year which is the biggest celebration of the year where millions of people were leaving Wuhan to go to their hometowns and so probably there was a missed opportunity there in terms of controlling it so now that we know generally what the incubation period is it's really important to stay at home because um, healthy people like you myself and Amy could be vector um, basically, we could be uh, carrying the virus, but not showing any symptoms and spread it to X number of people if we don't stay at home and practice this social distancing. So talk about that. And that's one of my other questions mm-hmm. is, you know, why do we yeah. need social distancing, self-quarantine isn't all overreaction. And I'm I'm in the same camp as you guys is that you kind of do this because it, it stops the spread and the virus starts to die off. But I'd love to hear kind of your guys' take on this because you're hearing on the other side where you're seeing people shopping, people going out, they're going to parks, they're doing all these things. Like, what's your take on that? Well, I think we should exercise some form of caution, right? Like, I think we 
they say history is written by the victors. We see what has happened in other other countries. And I think we have to take a page out of what's happened elsewhere to say this can happen here too. And and it's not even just about the, the reason why we're talking about self-quarantine and self-isolation is really because we're also talking about the economy as well. So we're looking at how this is affecting us as people, how it's affecting our healthcare system, and we have to be mindful of our resources. So we do have an aging population. I think I think they have a number of like by 2025, most of our population will be over 65. And really what we're trying to prevent is a, a huge mortality rate like like Iran, like um, Italy, because we we also have to be mindful of our resources. So one of the things that we keep hearing and hearing them talk about are ventilators. So do we have enough ventilators to support all these people who might end up having a more severe form of the of this virus? And 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 it, I guess if you think about it, it can be kind of scary. If we're like, well. I think we're we're pretty prepared, but we're trying to do something. What what we're actually trying to do is something called flatten the curve or plank the curve. We really want to decrease. We know it's already here. It's we know people are getting um are having this virus attack their system. But we're what we're really trying to do is reduce the number of people that will face mortality and morbidity related to uh, this actual virus. So that's why we're asking people to stay at home, not to to social distance, to self-quarantine if they've been out of the country. Because now we've actually noticed that the USA is actually considered a hotspot as well. So before it was just mainly... Um, it was China and Italy, and now even the U.S. has been deemed as a hotspot in terms of their, the, the sheer number of their cases. We know just within the last 24 hours that we have jumped an, an additional 30% in terms of our cases. We do have to take this a little bit more seriously, and and that's why we're hearing these different measures coming out from the premier to um, the prime minister to say, stay home. Right, because like, and this is why I was bringing this up. Because I mean, I'm hearing conversations kind of behind the scenes where it's medical professionals all the way down to your kind of your layman kind of people, like you know, fight the power. I don't, you know, screw the government kind of ideas. But you're yeah. hearing all all those guys kind of saying it's not that bad. But I think, and this is why I love to get you guys your your intake as is this. I don't think they're seeing it yet. I don't think it's because it's coming that wave yet. And and you guys have already started to do like the air. Air traffics, the you know, airports, things like that are starting to, you know, work on that curve that you're talking about and that exposure. So we're seeing it kind of die down a little bit, but it still hasn't grown. And I mean, even the testing, mm-hmm. from my understanding, we don't have enough testing kits to test everyone to understand the full exposure. Well, I think the other thing we have to be cognizant of is actually like what you said is true. But the other piece to to that is we're actually five days, four to five days behind in terms of our actual numbers because of our testing. The testing it's taking because we're ha- we're test. I think I heard on the radio we're testing over. We've tested over sixty thousand people, and um, that's a huge number of people to be testing. And, t- and we've g- received a lot of negative tests through that. But the thing is, we're still seeing that slow creep and that slow in- incline. And I guess that's what is concerning because we're telling people to stay inside. We're telling people to not go outside or have meetings, but these things are still occurring. And that's why we're still kind of seeing that climb. And I think people, that's why people, they might not be seeing the true value and the true numbers because we are delayed. So today we might have, I think we had like 96 cases, but that's, we're actually reporting like less than five days out. 
Wow. So, yeah, and I think something else that people need to be aware of is the ripple effects. So, Amy, we talked about not having enough ventilators, not having enough ICU beds. But if you were to visit the emergency room for something that's not related to coronavirus, all the resources in the hospital may be dedicated to those patients. And so if you're there for something equally important, you may not get the care you need in time. So it's about um, thinking about the bigger picture. Everybody that requires healthcare, it's going to be under an enormous strain because of Absolutely. what's happening with coronavirus coronavirus. And, you know, like people that uh, carry the virus may not show symptoms, but we have to think about the most vulnerable people in our society and how this is going to affect them. So even if it doesn't result in a death, it may result in long-term disability and a really long hospital stay as well. So we need to think about that and the seriousness of that as well. And It's just even like we're right at the beginning of the curve. So if you think about a bell curve, like it could go in very many different directions. And with us doing social distancing, we have the opportunity to really alter that curve in terms of how high it goes and how fast it goes. Absolutely. And and let's talk Mm -hmm. about that because, I mean, it's not an old person's uh, disease or virus that we're talking about. It's one that affects the people with autoimmune disorders. also affects Mm -hmm. people like younger people with respiratory issues, maybe um, asthma, bronchitis, things like that, where they have a weaker respiratory system that it could actually compromise. So I think I want to point that out is because I hear people going, well, why don't we just put the old people in and quarantine them? But I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, we have to look at people that are immune compromised are, are the right. ones that are the population. And that's right across the board. And then we also have to look at people that are not healthy, right? I mean, when you look at the obesity rate in North America, Right. It's pretty high. And then you look at cardiovascular, like diabetes, you know, heart disease, all these things make people at risk of, you know, even just getting sick when the normal flu gets around. Now, COVID-19 goes around, you know, they're more likely or more susceptible to get sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people need to even think about the, if we think about just in Canada, what are our highest morbidity and mortality rates? We're looking at like cardiac disease, we're looking at people with diabetes and cancers. And, um, there, and like you said, like autoimmune diseases. And we have to realize that's, that's actually a huge number of people. And I think what I, like, I kind of took this and turned it on its head with one of my own colleagues and because she wanted to go out to a bar or whatever to hang out with one of t- someone she met. And I said to her, I said, do you have anybody in your family who has like heart disease, stroke or cancer? And she's like, yeah, my, my father has heart disease. I said, well, the the concern's not even so much you because if you were to get it and you're healthy, you might, you know, you might feel ill, but it's going to pass for you. But for your dad, it might be something that will affect him more se- seriously and he might end up needing to take up an ICU bed because he has those additional risk factors. And she was like, wow, I didn't even think about it that way. And I think... I think that's how we have to start to even try to explain it to other people to say, hey, it's not just about you. It's about your loved ones. It's about your friends and your colleagues who might have underlying disease and pathologies that you don't know about that can make them more sick and put and uh, essentially make them have a greater mortality or morbidity risk. Right. And like you said, and I agree with you both, is that even the chronic issues may be after the fact, right? Because I yeah. mean, I had pneumonia twice back to back and I know I have scar tissue in the left lung and it took me a while before I could take a full breath and, and inhale mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. of the scar tissue. But that took therapy, uh, breathing exercise and all that to do that. Now, if their lungs get affected and this happens, well, now they could have problems breathing and things like that. And this is now long term. So 
There's right. all these factors that you kind of, and I agree with you, you have to look into the bigger picture, not just the I. And I was talking to another person about like the I, we, and all values. Well, what about me? What about me? So that kind of I thing where mm-hmm. my money, my family, I have to do this, I have to do that. Well, this you know, virus is about the we and the community and the all, right? So absolutely, kind of have to change that, you know, mm-hmm. perception is that we're not quarantined because, oh, it's inconvenience me. We're trying to help everyone else. Absolutely. It, this is definitely something where we're kind of to, we're looking at it, dealing with the greater good. And really, it, at the end of the day, it actually does affect all of us. It's not for, for anyone to be like, well, no, it's not affecting me. Of course, it's affecting you. It's affecting our economy. It's affecting the, whether you can go to school or not. It's affecting us all in various different ways. And I think people just need to be able to see that and appreciate that and, and to not be so damn selfish. <laughs> Okay. Just, just, I censored myself. Just, just put it out there. Just, just let everyone know. I, I was a big, I was a good girl there. <laughs> and, and you know, you wanted to drop an F bomb or anything like that. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, anyone norm would feel terrible if one of, if they were the cause of getting their family members sick or someone they loved or someone they knew, getting them sick to the point where they had to be hospitalized. I mean, you'd feel terrible about that. And that's, right. you know, that's like we were saying, that's the greater good is, being foresight and thinking about that, we're doing this in a short period of time. And, and let's be relative here. Two, three months is a short period of time in, you know, in our life and this year Absolutely. and everything that's going on mm-hmm. to be a little mm-hmm. bit inconvenienced, right? If that's the case, yeah, fine. Two months we're inconvenienced and then we're back, to, we're back in the economy. We're back to our jobs. We're back to our daily stresses of work, relationships, you know, money, all that great stuff. But it's that short period of time. The ones that keep fighting it make two months into six months six months into one year exactly it's more about the short-term sacrifice for the long-term good of everyone and what i think is that we society we're so quick moving like we're so on the go all the time um myself included it's been really hard just to slow down and stay at home and not do any of the things i normally do and maybe for some people it means finding a new hobby or you know reconnecting with people that you haven't talked to for a long time but it's just trying to find something that gives you a sense of normalcy without going about your normal routine. So I think a lot of businesses has have pivoted that way. So there's live yoga classes, live gym classes. We just have to get through it together and find a way to come out, you know, intact. Even if you weren't personally affected or got the virus, it's it does affect all of us. But we have to figure out how we can adapt to the new norm for right now. For right now. And I think the one thing to bring up there is that you we don't know if you have like n- not everyone's getting tested. So you don't know if yeah. you're actually the carrier. Yeah. Like you might feel fine. Like I feel fine. But I could be unknowns to me, the carrier. Right? I could be a host right. that's running around touching doorknobs, you know, licking people's you know doors, whatever that may be like silly, crazy <laughs> stuff. But I could be the one infecting everyone else because I'm right. not quarantining myself and letting the virus die off. Yeah, so I think Absolutely. it's a double-pronged approach. It's like you have to behave as though every person around you has it. So you're trying to protect yourself from them, but also that you might have it. So you need to prevent the spread um, by, you know, not contacting people, um, staying inside. So it's like you assume everyone has it, but also that you might have it at the same time. Right. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of how much technology we have 
in reaching people, not by necessarily touching them or talking to them. Like, to be honest, this is actually quite surprising to me how people are like, oh, I don't get to go out anymore. Oh, please don't even lie. You know, you've been sitting on your Twitter page or your Instagram taking pictures of yourself. No, no, but hold on, hold on. Let's be honest. They've been doing that at Starbucks or Tim Hortons. They've been able to go out, right? They've been doing Yeah, yeah. Now they have to have their Tim Hortons at home. It's totally different, right? Boohoo. Like, I mean, if it's, if it's really to, for the greater good and really you're trying to, I think people don't understand how devastating it can be. Honestly, all you have to do is turn on your news to, to any news station and watch what's happening in other parts of the world. Like, like, I mean, like Sarah was saying, this is really something that we can, if we can deal with it and handle it, it, handle it properly, we don't have to maybe be dealing with this for six, months we can maybe deal with it for a shorter period of time but if people want to continue to be ignorant they want to keep going out they want to be like oh you know this is not going to bother me it's not going to affect me and they keep going out they're the ones that are actually creating a a problem for everybody so at the end of the day stay your ass at home (laughs) take your selfies in your bathroom or whatever you need to do but like this is for this is for the short term and it's for the greater good and really i think um people just need to understand that and and i have to be honest so i did have um a shift where i did some screening so yes i i do do some other nursing type of things as well and there are a lot of people who are actually seeing the positive spin on this as well so we had patients so as you know um a lot of hospitals have moved towards a no visitor policy right and uh, and what i've seen was there are people coming in to either drop food off or drop things off for their loved one and they get it they're like Thank you so much for asking these questions and and for not letting people come in because they had loved ones that are maybe sick in the ICU or in other places and, and they get it. So it's not everybody who's just like, oh, no, it's not going to affect me or why are they making a big deal about it? There's people that really, truly understand that if we don't do this, that we can be affecting a lot of other people and affecting other people's loved ones with even within the hospital system. So I, I'm glad that they moved to the whole like no visitor policy amongst various different organizations. So let's talk about that. I mean, you know, we have family, we're all kind of, you know, have family in different generations and younger, older, some people that are sick in the hospital. How do we keep ourselves as well as our family safe? Well, one, you, you don't visit the hospital. <laughs> so like as much as, as much as it, it's painstaking to say, there are certain exceptions in terms of, um, and when you could visit. So I think most organizations are moving towards either end of life or beginning of life. So those are the kind of exceptions of the rules. I think there are some exceptions to pediatric patients as well. Okay. But really it's, it's a short, it's a short period of time. And, and we really don't want that spread to kind of affect the hospital or the hospital system. So like, because people who are in the hospital are already sick. Right. So the reason why we don't want visitors to come in is because we really don't want to make those people who are already immune compromise more sick um and and that's one way that we could protect our loved ones by unfortunately not visiting but we can do other things we can facetime them we can call them we can drop things off for them there's a lot those are the other things that we can do to help support them but what can we do to keep ourselves safe again so wash your hands stay home if you're feeling ill Report it to your, like, if you're working and you're employed, report it to your occupational health department. And if you're feeling sick, the idea is that you shouldn't be going to work. And then if you're, you're presenting with any of those, um, COVID-19 type of symptoms, so like fever, uh, new onset shortness of breath, um, new on, new cough. And I've actually heard two other new ones, which is 
a a loss of a loss of smell and a loss of taste. Sense. So yeah, those are these two are one of the, other of the first ones. new symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. And so, also, I so, would um go ahead, Amy. No, 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 no. Go ahead. <laughs> so I was gonna say um instead of showing up at your doctor's office, you might want to call a phone line such as telehealth or go to a designated COVID-19 assessment center, which there are some available um, in major cities because they're equipped to deal with um, the symptoms. They have the testing kits. They're um, most up to date on what needs to happen. So, I mean, if you do feel like you need to go to your doctor's office, I would call ahead and explain what your symptoms are because there might be certain procedures that they have to take in order to... Um, you know, keep the disinfect the room ahead of time or whatnot, and to keep other patients safe that are in that uh, office. Okay. So and, I think and I just want I think there's a lot of resources out there that we need to take advantage of. I think obviously if you're in a situation where you're gasping for breath, like it's a really emergency, I would not hesitate to go. But if you're not quite sure, there are a lot of things that we can do um, to get the right care at the right time. Well, I want and I want to add something just before you start, Amy. Uh, the one thing to add into for anyone's watching this, if you have breathing problems and respiratory problems, and you're it's 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 severe, call nine one one. Like, don't start trying to, trying to call telehealth and all that because telehealth is very busy and things like that mm -hmm. where it, you might not get through. And you know, if you're having an emergency kind of scenario, you can't breathe. You're doing that. Call nine one one. Like, and that's that's important at this point in time. Like, don't wait. Right. And that's something that, you know, it's, it's important with any emergency protocol, anything along that line. If you're really not having problems breathing, you're catching your breath and doing all that, you know, call 911. At least, you know, they can tell you over the phone, you know, what's going on and they can keep you kind of safe. Mm -hmm. And now if they don't need to come out, they'll let you know. But if it's an emergency and they find it, they'll come out, they'll come out and, and take care of you and, you know, oxygen and so forth. Because I go and some people and I know from my own family members, you know, sometimes they wait. It's not that bad. And then it gets worse. And then it's now it's an yeah. urgency. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because one of the things that I'll be honest, nurses are like some of the worst patients. So we <laughs> okay. wait till like we're virtually dying. We're like, oh, we, we we're, I'm feeling so horrible. And then we actually go in. So no, like, and we don't want to burden our colleagues either. So we're, <laughs> yeah. we're so considerate. We're like, oh, we know it's a busy shift. We can just hang on one more day and <laughs> just wait till the last minute. My heart, yeah, my, so my heart's beating every, you know, eight seconds. It's fine. 10 seconds. No, it's, it's good. I can still make it. I can still see the light. Yeah, it's like, it's still good. It's still good. But yeah, like, I mean, absolutely. If you're having a uh, severe symptoms, shortness of breath, you make that call to 911. I think that's the definitely the best piece of advice that we can give. And then like, I do know that there were some challenges in terms and I, I, I don't want to speak for any region in particular, but I knew initially that there were some challenges in terms of like, if you're having symptoms and let's say you come to the ED, that they're like, have you called public health? We're not going to turn people away. But I think, um, so ED essentially is, if you're ED is the, the emergency department. Okay. So for example, just if for you're the just layman. Like, yeah, sorry. So <laughs> let, let's say, for example, you're feeling really horrible and you, you just felt kind of miserable and you came and you're like, yes, I have new cough, new shortness of breath, new, uh, onset, um, fever. Um, they might actually ask you to call public health. And actually, it's not, it's not a, you don't all of a sudden just like walk into the assessment center. You're almost like kind of put into a queue. And then um, they ask you actually to wait in your car and then you come into the assessment center and they assess you that way. Okay. But I mean, if you do show up at the ED with those symptoms, they're not going to turn you away. Okay. Well, that's so. good Good to know. I mean, that's yeah. that's important. Now, we talked about hospital safety. What about 
a family safety. Now, one scenario, just an example, say you have a family member, an older family member that you need to take care of, right? You know, mm-hmm. how do you, what's, what's the protocol there? Because I mean, for example, say, you know, I had my grandmother when she had cancer, this was going on right now. You know, the cancer protocols, you're cold, you have a cold or flu or anything like that. When they're going through chemo or radiation, you can't go over and see them. Right. And then mm-hmm. she's expecting food, groceries, things like that. For me, now, what do you do? Do you so mean are you talking about a family member that now has the virus and you're looking after them in their home? No, I'm or saying just a family uh, member that's healthy. Uh, no, family member that maybe is elderly and maybe not as, okay. as healthy and needs some care. And you're already kind of in that, you know, caregiving kind of type mode. But now this is mm-hmm. going on. Now, what do I do? Like, do I have it? Do they have it? If I have it, am I going to give it to them? Like, what do I do? Right. Well, I think you just practice all of the same precautions that we talked about. So um, frequent hand washing for yourself and your loved one. I think um, with the older generation, they didn't grow up with uh, SARS, H1N1, all of that. So I think just really hammering to them the importance of hand washing and, um, you know, not leaving home unless you need to. Because I think a lot of our parents and grandparents are still trying to hang on to their routines and not understanding how they're putting themselves at risk. So even telling them, you know, most grocery stores, most drugstores now have dedicated seniors hours, which is the first um, hour of the day, right? Where they're less likely to be exposed to other people or situations where they may pick up the virus. So even telling them about those dedicated hours or, you know, offering to do groceries for them or, you know, delivery is also an option because maybe they're not so savvy on the computer. They don't know how to do online ordering for groceries. So I think just letting them know what the options are and trying to educate them because we are so plugged in these days that we get information hourly where our grandparents and um, parents may watch the news once a day and they're getting all of their information that way or you know I'm not sure about right now but just chatting with people and getting inaccurate information potentially so I think that's also a really important um, piece of advice I would give. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I was asking that cause I had a, a scenario where people were saying, well, I have to go take care of them. I just have to go. And then it's the question is, should you go? Like, how do you know you don't have it? And now you go and you transfer it to them. And now potentially mm-hmm. because they're, you know, maybe they're sick, they're elderly, whatever that means. Now you infect them and you're not trying to, but it's part of well, trying I to Well, I mean, care it's them. like, so what we, we say as nurses is that there's four moments of hand hygiene, right? So before you come into contact with someone, you wash your hands, whether that be with soap and water or with alcohol-based hand sanitizer. So before you go to, let's say, help them with something, you wash your hands, and then you also wash your hands after. So that way, if you have something, you're protecting yourself from transmitting it to your loved one. And um, if they potentially are infected with something, you wash your hands after caring for them, um, and you prevent the spread potentially from them to yourself. So that's another uh, piece of advice I would give. So talk about that. What's the, what's kind of like, you hear all different kind of hand washing and cleansing, like, mm-hmm. like, do I just get hot water and kind of wish around and then I'm gone? Or is there like, you have to do it for a certain amount of time up to your elbow? Well, I, used like, to work, talking I used to work in the NICU. Yeah. I used to work in the NICU. So <laughs> if you want the NICU answer or let's say the layperson answer, um, I want hazmat. Between- I want a hazmat. Okay. <laughs> So what I used to do when I used to work in NICU, so that stands for a neonatal intensive care unit, is the minute you walk into the uh, unit, there's a sink, right? So you imagine those stainless steel sinks that the surgeons use. We would wash our hands up to the elbow 
Um, you'd have to remove jewelry, so rings, watches, anything that's uh, elbow down. You would scrub vigorously for 15 to 20 seconds. We even had these, um, they're almost like popsicle sticks, but with like a pointed end, like a toothpick. And you'd have to actually go underneath each nail to really clean. Right. Um, and so that's what we call the terminal clean. So you'd have to do that the minute you walked into the unit. Uh, parents were instructed to do that as well. And then in the course of our 12-hour shift, um, I mentioned the before and after, right? So every time before you were to go to a patient, you had to wash your hands. Every time you were done with a patient, you would wash your hands. And in addition to that... Um, Nurses, anytime we did something called a sterile procedure, um, so where we were performing something invasive, we would have to wash our hands before and after that as well. If um, we were in contact with any sort of bodily fluids, um, we would also have to wash our hands. So okay. there's many, many different ways that you can protect yourself. This is just the intense nurse version of how we would do that. Right. And of course, um, if you have a cough and you're not sure what it is, you can wear a surgical mask. So that's another thing I wanted to clarify is that the level of personal protective equipment that is needed for COVID-19 is a surgical mask. At this point, there's no evidence to show that you need an N95 mask, and that would be for something that has been proven to be airborne. So that means even breathing the same air as someone, whether or not they've coughed or sneezed, um, you could pick up something that way. And it's um, been determined that COVID-19 is not spread through the airborne route. It's only spread through contact and droplet. So now let's talk about the the the, the kind of supplies. You know, you got, mm -hmm. you know, gloves, mask, all that. Are we not at a shortage right now? I we, don't think so. I we think are at actually... a shortage for like, I think in some places, though, they've run out of hand sanitizer. No? Stores. <sighs> Some, I think mainly the stores, yeah. but I think in terms mm -hmm. of PPE supplies, I think we're actually doing really well. Okay. And I, I'm pretty sure that the government has actually come out. I think, um, I think it was just, um, Doug Ford just recently came out and was like, we have a lot of this stuff. Like we have a lot of PPE. We're not in the same crisis type situation as the U.S. where I've heard about people going into rooms with patients who are known to have the virus and not have any PPE on or are using bandanas. We're not in that type of critical situation. And I just kind of wanted to back up a little bit. So as much as the CDC and uh, the World Health Organization has said that uh, COVID-19 is droplet and contact precautions, they did mention that in terms of the when when it was required to use an N95 is when there is something called an aerosolizing procedure. So for example, if a patient was to be coding, so let's say a patient was having a cardiac arrest and we had known them to have COVID-19 and we're going to intubate them. So we're putting a tube down their throat. That's the risk that we would say that there we could be aerosolizing the the virus at that point. So in those circumstances, then yes, we would need an N95. But in terms of just asking someone questions or actually even being in the environment of someone who we do know has COVID-19, the proper PPE we're looking at is we're looking at a gown, we're looking at a face shield or a, a mask with a face shield and gloves. Okay, okay. So I think for the average person, there is no need for an N95 mask is what we're trying to say. Yeah, no. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and that, yeah, and I the think other that thing, makes... The, Go ahead. 
The other thing about N95 is that you have to be properly fitted for this. And this has to be done by someone who's trained <laughs> in fitting for N95 masks. So if you work in a hospital setting, this would be part of your orientation. It would be part of something you do every two years. But for the layperson to just buy an N95 mask off of Amazon and not have the proper knowledge on how to fit it properly, there are different ways that the virus can still come in. So if it's not fitted properly to your face, there's gaps, right? So the whole purpose of an N95 mask is to filter out bacteria and viruses but if you're only thinking about the front part and not the side that's um you know supposed to be a tight seal on your face it may not have the effect that you're looking for right and right. i feel like right now there are some hospitals that are at a shortage of these masks and we may be um unwilling or um, unknowingly buying up the supply um when it's not needed for um people in the community got it got it and then it's kind of that yeah. th that fear thing that's going on right Toilet paper, mm -hmm. you know, hand sanitizer, oh, yeah. kind of all those yeah. things. And then gas masks and everything. Like, I've seen people with the whole military gear, right? With camouflage and the oh, whole... Oh, no, really? Yeah. It, like, I mean, I think, oh. like, I think what, what I see, like, for example, if I go to Costco or if I go out to Walmart, when you see somebody with a face mask, it... It, like I could tell you my own reaction is fear because now I'm thinking that that person's walking around sick because that's my idea of someone who's wearing a face mask so like for example if you come to the hospital and you say you have those symptoms we're going to give you a face mask to wear so one you can't spread it to others and then two um you can't like you're going to try to it'll it'll stay within your sorry I'm saying this the wrong way but like you can't essentially you just can't spread it to other people right. and you're you're protecting the those around you're you. isolating it but what yeah. So, but yeah. when you're out in public and you see people wearing face masks, it just, to me, it's just inciting more fear. The only people who should be wearing masks are people who are ill if you, or are potentially immune compromised. Like, I understand that fear that you might, like, if you have greater risk, then you might wear. But other For than sure. that, if you're not sick, you should not be walking around wearing a face mask. It's just, it's just creating more fear and more panic in, in terms of, just being outside in the the natural world like i think i think like i've seen a number like i've seen face masks people walking around with people walking around wearing gloves and i think that is the other one that's really bizarre to me like walking around wearing gloves it's 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 just not right it's just not the right thing to do because actually you can harbor more bacteria on those gloves we gloves are a single use item so you use them for a procedure and then you throw them away if you walk mm -hmm. around like for example if like as a nurse, if we walked out of a patient's room with the gloves on, I'm sure we'd be attacked by one of our colleagues because it's just like not the right thing to do because you're you're bringing whatever was in that environment outside of that environment. Right. So people walking around with masks, gloves, like they're not they're not doing and they're not helping themselves. They're just actually inciting more fear and panic in people. Right. No, and that totally makes sense. You know, you kind of see that and like it, kind of just to hit that home is that if you are sick, you're you immune compromised, you have that and that's your protocol for the mask and stuff. There's we're not saying don't do that. We're saying if you're healthy, you're kind of the normal human being and you have some fears, then there's something, you know, you need to talk to someone about that and versus kind of going out and, you know, in a hazmat suit to, to go <laughs> to go grab toilet paper, you know, your 12 packs of toilet paper because it's the end of days. You know, I joke about that, but this is what kind of people are doing in the fear state. And I've been saying this and posting it around is that if you're you're feeling that, talk to a professional, talk to a talk therapist, a, psych a psychologist, psychotherapist, just kind of get those feelings out and let them kind of talk it through with you because there's something else going on in there and you don't need to be in fear by yourself and they can help you through that. 
So absolutely something they want to add because mm-hmm. mental health mm-hmm. is, a, is a concern too through this, you know, when you're hearing everything in the news, end of days, people are dying, this and that, you know, it's like, okay, I, I get it. Like, I understand there's a concern here, but people that have anxiety, you know, OCD, things like that, that it's kind of really something they're dealing with now on top of this. Right now they have to deal with COVID-19, all the media around that. It's it, it puts yeah. them into a fear yeah. state that they don't they're already having challenges that it is and they need, you know, they're working on those. And now putting that puts more stress on them, which is not needed. Absolutely. Right. And I would say make sure that you get your news from a credible source. So just mm-hmm. because you scroll through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and you see something, it might just be something that's attention grabbing. Right. So going to places Sensational like news. Exactly. Like Health Canada, like Public Health Agency of Canada, Centers for Disease Control, um, World Health Organization. These are all credible sources of news uh, that you can get accurate information. And I would even say that if you're feeling a lot of anxiety every time you um, hear the news, maybe just even go a day or two without looking at the news. Like, absolutely. <laughs> you can easily check in once every day to see if there's anything really urgently important that you need to know. And I'm sure that, um, you know, if something really important were to happen, you could just tell a friend, hey, call me or text me if there's anything really urgent I need to know. I'm going off social media for the next. 24 to 48 hours for my mental health. Right. I think that's more than okay. We're all at home right now. Everybody's looking at the news hourly. I'm sure you are not going to miss anything urgently um, important that you need to know by doing that. But Sarah, yeah. the media is going to mm-hmm. go down and I'm not going to know. Oh, this is just a case of FOMO now. This is FOMO. This is part of our generation. <laughs> Facebook's going to go down and no one's going to tell me. And then now what oh am I doing? I'm going to have to go to Twitter and Twitter's going to be down. And then what am I do? Instagram and then TikTok. I'm just going to watch people dance. Like, where do I go for I my can't, media? I right? can't. Oh, TikTok. It's go the, on oh, Netflix. It's the worst. Go on Netflix, but don't watch Contagion because I think that's number one right now trending in Canada. <laughs> you, you make that joke, but I've actually watched it in this last week. I watched it with uh, Matt Damon trying to get, you know, I had a notepad. What do I need to look out for? You know, where's that? Where's Matt Damon in this? Where's the guy that has the antibodies? Why can't we pull it from him? That's so funny. Oh, so just speaking of Contagion, I have been a fan of this movie since it came up. But one thing that they cover on in um, Contagion is the R not. So do you remember that scene yep. with um, Kate Winslet where she's talking about the R not? So that's um, basically if you had um, a virus, how many people on average could you uh, spread? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think the latest research shows COVID nineteen you could spread to two point one people or something like that. So just to give you some context. Um, measles, which is one of the most contagious viruses out there, has an R naught of nine. So we're talking about like on average, without doing any sort of social media or social distancing, you could maybe spread it to two people. Whereas something really contagious like measles or smallpox, you would spread to a much larger um, number of people. Right. And then I I think smallpox might be like 16 or something. Right. In context, that means Mm -hmm. if you were rocking around, you could potentially spread it to nine people. And then how it uh, exponentially is that one person then those nine people go to other and then nine people and they just right, keeps, right, right. You know, going that and that's kind of where we're seeing on like uh, I think I saw and I was talking about this like, other podcast I think it was the Globe and Mail had a gif that was showing how it would ex- like it, it would expand oh, from yeah. one person to another and then it just kept growing 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 so something to keep in mind of you know this is why the social distancing 
And if we can break the trend, if we can break the cycle of transmission at various points, so even if not 100% of people are practicing properly, we still can make a big change, right, in terms of that graph. Because I think the second part of that graph was like, this person didn't go to see their grandmother, this person stayed at home, this person didn't go to work. And you can see how it really affects the end outcome in terms of how many people uh, are infected with the virus. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Now, one question I have that came up to uh, kind of on this topic of, you know, the virus and, and going on. What if I'm, I'm feeling better? It's 14 days. You know, I had some sniffles, all that, but now I want to go back to work. What's, what's the protocol there? So, I mean, I think what I think, uh, my understanding is the idea is to self quarantine for that 14 days because we know about that incubation period. If you're feeling better and it's been 14 days, I think the best thing to do is to contact your occupational health, health and safety department. You shouldn't just, I don't, I, I think if you've ever, if you've been self-quarantined, your organization probably are, already knows about it and they're not going to let you walk, like step foot into, in there because obviously if you can then put everybody else at risk for self-quarantine again, reducing the productivity. So right. I think the first thing that you need to do is contact your occupational health and safety department and then uh, they'll do like a wellness check to see whether you're ready to come back to work. Okay. Now what about the, like we're, I know some concerns are the employee policy. Well, I have to go to work. And some companies, as we know, like there's ones that, and I'm seeing the news right now, where there's looking at now fines. Companies are looking at, you know, they're potentially now going to get fines if they stay open. But some companies are still, you know, you have to come into work. Like, what do I do if, you know, the sick policy is not being enforced and this is not kind of being followed? What, what do I need to do? Well, I mean, this is this is a really difficult question to answer. I think in terms of essential services, and I think they're going to come out with a list again tomorrow. I think they I think they said tomorrow they'll come out with a list in terms of who's considered essential. And if you're not on, if you are considered essential, you're going to be required to work as long as you're well. Um, really, everybody needs to chip in. So especially at organizations like like a hospital setting, everybody's going to be required to do something. Everyone's going to be required to do some form of work. Even if even if you had a job where you typically worked from home, the expectation is that you might be redeployed to a different department where you're helping to support, even if it might not be clinical, but it might be answering phone calls related to COVID-19. It might be it might be just supporting other services, but I think um, from like a hospital standpoint, it's kind of all hands on deck. Now, if you're non-essential and you do fall in that category for being considered a non-essential work uh, worker, I think taking those steps um, that the premier has mentioned are probably the best steps to take to really flatten that curve. Right. Now, have you guys had the conversation about people coming in with concerns about income? The economy kind of things along that line i mean i'm hearing off on online as well as offline that you know this is affecting the economy you know who cares about the covid 19 i need to pay my bills i need to do all this you know it's not here it's there it's in italy it's in china it's not affecting us right you know i need mm-hmm. i need to go back to work because i gotta pay for you know my kids you know my mortgage kind of all that like are you guys hearing those those conversations um, yeah, like I'm here, I am hearing those things. And mainly, I think one of the things that I, I'm hearing, and I don't know about you, Sarah, is, um, I think people are concerned about 
and I can only really speak to the hospital situation and maybe Sarah, you can speak to the community a little bit, mm-hmm, but I'm, mm-hmm. I am hearing concerns about um, returning to work and whether it's safe to come to work. And I think people have to understand that organizations will ma- ensure that you have the right PPE or the right things in place to make sure that when you're coming to work, you're working safe. And then we do know that there are many different labor laws. If there is something, if you're being ever put into a situation where the, you're considering the work to be unsafe, that you can actually reach out to um, labor relations for the for those type of um, those specific types of situations or concerns, but what, yeah. or concerns. Yeah, do you, Sarah, do you have any more ideas in terms of the community? Well, in the community, it's a bit different, right? So, I mean, we are an essential service because there are many homebound seniors that have no help at all. So if they require something, for example, if they're diabetic and they need an insulin injection, they would be considered very high priority because there's a chance that if they didn't get the insulin injection, they could die, right? They could go into a diabetic coma. But we've already cut back on what we uh, we determined our non-essential services, which are um, employees such as physiotherapists, occupational therapists, dietitians, speech-language pathologists. So we've already determined what is non-essential, and we have been looking at ways that we can also redeploy them to still give them some work to do, right? So that there's no um, loss of income if possible. But I think one thing that everyone needs to keep in mind is that across all industries, this is something that has never, ever happened before, ever. So, I mean... People are taking it day by day. If you're um, an employee and you've asked a question and you're not getting an answer right away, chances are um, your boss or your boss's boss is trying to figure out what that answer is. <laughs> they want to yeah. support you, but like really, we have no playbook. We've got nothing to go on. I mean, people are writing up new policies because there just is nothing. Um, there's no precedent to this. So I mean, right. you do want to advocate. So we as the Grady Nurses, we're always about advocating for your rights and speaking your mind. Um, but just keep in mind that we are all learning as we go. So you don't know what you're doing. They maybe are trying to figure out what to do as well. So let's just try to work together to make sure that we uh, work safely and that, you know, nobody has to go off sick um, and we're not spreading this virus as much as yeah. uh, we can prevent it. So and I think what I want to add to that is that some to look at the biggest concern that kind of comes up in more majority of conversations, the economy and finances and if you're in that drier straight, that money's a concern, you know, talk to a financial advisor, talk to your accountant, talk to family members if you need help with money, finances, go to your bank, right? or not go, but call your bank. Yeah, I was going right? to say call your Sorry, bank. Sorry, call your bank. <laughs> I'll correct that, social you know, distancing, right? Self-quarantine, I got to remember that. But, you know, call your bank and say, look, this is what's going on. What can I do? Because we're hearing that there's support for mortgages, right? They're giving relief and that's right. There's going to be a bailout package. You know, there's all these different things that are coming out because the government understands what's going on. But we also right. understand that, you know, sometimes it's the the emotional challenge of what do I do? Like, no one's going to help me. How do how do I get mm-hmm. help? Start asking, start asking questions, start asking your community, you know, and I, I, I mentioned this earlier to a colleague of mine is that we kind of have to go back into where our grandparents had is that kind of thought process that they looked after their community who needed eggs. Who needed a chicken? Oh, you need me to babysit your kids. Kind of that mentality where we have to think of other people and kind of give yeah. where we can and support, right? And, and you know, vice versa, right? And be able to do that and do it in an ethical way, right? I think it's very important mm-hmm. to kind of think in that manner now more than ever because this is a global issue. It's not, you know, an environmental where it's in certain pockets. It's affecting everyone. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, you might even just have to do your finances a little bit differently. Like maybe you're used to having the that Don Perignon or whatever, your glass of wine every night or whatever the case may be. And did, maybe did it's we now see something that, that earlier? you can't. Did we see that earlier? Was that Don, Don Perignon? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Cheers. Water. Um, yeah, with my water. But like, I mean, maybe like you're used to having um, a certain type of lifestyle and maybe you have been laid off or what or uh, you're in a situation where you're quarantined and you can't work and uh you know maybe your income's not at 100 percent. maybe you're gonna have to make those lifestyle changes where you're not buying those expensive things and you're you're cutting back on the types of groceries that you have to you have to get i think this is where you have to kind of think to yourself like what's the most important to me is it is it like 50 rolls of toilet paper or is it getting some eggs so like i think people need to be cognizant of those things too because i think um with the panic buying comes um, non-rational thinking. And I think people just have to think about like, what do I need to get to from point A to point B or from day to day? Like think about the more important things and that's probably something to eat uh, rather than, you know, buying out like wads of toilet paper. <laughs> well, and I want to add to that. Think about what you want to need to eat in, por- in proportion to your family and, you know, Absolutely, week to week, yeah. month, and as long as 30 days, don't buy for six months. Right. Don't try right. to buy the. Well, I would. I would even say. I would even say less than thirty days. I would say your two week quarantine period of time. Right. Like, okay. really think about like what are the things that you might need in a two week period. Like, I think that that like reasonably like I have. A, I'm a family of five, so I have twin boys and I have a daughter. That's uh. So my twin boys are eight. My daughter's uh five, and my husband. So. We spend, I'd say, oh, this is this. Maybe I shouldn't put this number out there. We probably spend about, oh no, I don't want to say this. We probably spend about like four hundred dollars on groceries. And even I said to my a husband, month? I said, okay, is that per week or per month? No, no, is, is that per week or per month? I'd say that's probably biweekly. So that's like in a, so, in two weeks, which so, is a lot. So that's not, it's not that bad. No, it's not that it's bad. Not bad. <laughs> okay, so, so myself and my wife spend that per week. What? Okay, <laughs> that, that's intense. And just because like, we buy certified organic meat, we buy you know okay, okay. organic uh, produce. Yeah, we do a lot of stuff that we're cooking ourselves too. Where, right, where right, we're right. Baking, like, I think so. That adds yeah, like up. fresh foods are more expensive, and that's the other thing people have to be cognizant of. Like so, like fruits and vegetables, organic things, they're more expensive. And then if your lifestyle changes, you might have to modify what you what you buy. And I I know it's it sucks, but it it's probably just for a short period of time and then you know you get back to buying whatever you need to but i think in that short period of time you might just have to adjust um your lifestyle well the thing is too is then going to areas where like you said you're not shopping out you're not buying you know takeout food you might be going to the old style where you, you have and this is what we've done you've got chicken bones Right, you make chicken bone broth, and then out of that bone broth, you make certain soups that last like three, four days of vegetables right, and right. things like that. So now you're looking at, like I said, kind of my grandmother's way of cooking, where she mm-hmm, would make mm-hmm. something and it would last three, four days and could feed like you know four or five you know family members, and that yeah. would last out of a shopping, right? Out of you know that shopping, they could last, they can make food last, right? So they'd eat the chicken, right. they'd keep the bones, the bones would go into soup, soup would go into the, and it, and it'd keep going. So kind of have to yeah. now think that way versus I'm going to go order a pizza. I'm going to order Chinese food and, you know, we're going to eat yeah. that way. And yeah. then money goes up yeah. very quickly. And we're more talking to people that are more financially kind of strapped right now, not 
People that are right. abundant, if the, you guy want to go buy food, that's a whole different story about social distancing, all that. We're not, you know, I'm not going to judge you on that, but just be careful. But I'm just saying if you're financially kind of, you know, strapped, you're kind of looking at your, your dollars and cents, there's lots of great recipes online. There's a lot of great stuff that you can find that can look at, you know, how to make things last. Right. And, right, you, know, yeah. you know, if you have a slow cooker, if you have a pot, you can, you know, stew things up and then you can have food for, you know, three, four days that versus, you know, going from meal to meal and kind of looking at, oh, my God, right. what do I do? Right. So things like that, you know, is things that you have to think about. Right. And especially when it when money's tight. Other thing to think about is, yeah, if you have Netflix and all these other things. Yeah, you might yeah. want to kind of reduce that right <laughs> now. Right. Mm-hmm. All the necessities yeah. like the North American lifestyle we kind of have, like you have Netflix, you have Prime, oh Disney Plus, this, this, that, you know, yeah. other things, iTunes, you know, you kind of all that. Now it might be if that if you're looking at your dollars and cents, you're kind of going, you know, I'm I'm I only have a hundred dollars at the end of the month. You might be able yeah. to save some money, and I and I know emotionally it's hard. I get it. You don't want to <laughs> let it go, but right now it's you know for the greater good for yourself and your own sanity and kind of your own well being. Well, I think people don't even realize how privileged they are to have all of these things. Like, really, it's kind of sad that we have to kind of talk about, well, I shouldn't say sad, but it's it's interesting, I should say, that we have to talk about these things because it's like, it, they're really like first world problems, right? Like, I mean, there are people that are, that are, have much more adverse types of situations and we have to be having the conversation to say, hey, you know what, maybe you need to scale back a little bit. And maybe, I, I don't want to say this, I'm trying to think about the right way to say this, but like, I think, I think this whole virus is actually making people think a little bit differently about how we do things and how we operate just in general. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I would like to urge people to, to, cause I've noticed, um, with this, with tensions running high and with lots of people being anxious is to always try to remember to be kind to one another. Cause I've noticed and I've seen this, um, in our own, in with my own experience with just, um, people being really short with people at this point in time. Um, I've seen there was an argument while I was at the grocery store just today where I think they have like green lines on the floor in uh, Fortino's. And I guess this one person like had stepped over a little bit over the green line and the, and she started arguing with the person behind her and they had to get like an employee from the store to be like, so the lines are here. So, you know, you keep your distance. But it's just like, I think people need to kind of check themselves again just to say, hey, you know what? we're all stressed. We're all, we're fucking scared too. But like, mm. we need to show some compassion. Like right. I, I went to Fortino's for my first shift when I was doing some screening and I picked up a, like a breakfast sandwich because I was starving and my shift started at like 630 in the morning and someone had paid it. And I was like, oh, that's great. You know, people are like paying it forward. So I paid for the person behind me. I think People need to show much more compassion during this time because it is scary. Right. But I think we mm-hmm. just, if yeah. you have the information, I think um, we just need to be more compassionate with one another and try to be understanding of what other people might be going through. For sure. And I think the challenge is, is this, is that before COVID-19 and the coronavirus kind of outbreak, people were, at, were sizzling at a certain level of stress, right? Financial relationships. I mean, our divorce rates up to, I think, 63% now in, in Ontario. Like it's, or I, think, wow. I don't know if it's in Canada. Eek. I was talking to a lawyer, a divorce lawyer, you know, pre- previously, uh, not, but my marriage just want to put it out there. But it's just kind of getting stats and information. And they were saying like the vo- divorce rate's so high, but you got all these stressors that's going on. And now this shines a light COVID-19 kind of shines a light on 
you know, everything that they're stressed about now, it's almost like putting kindling to a flame. It ignites mm-hmm. it, right? So now everyone, like you said, and I agree with you, is at that boiling point where now you say something wrong and they now attack, right? And I think it's yeah. that primal instinct, that primal, you know, fear where they go into fight, fight, or freeze. That's what people are right now because of everything that's going on. And I mean, the reason why I'm doing these podcasts is to kind of really educate people, but also try to give them great value and information that they don't have to be scared. There's information out there. There's people working for There's support out there. There's all that. Take a deep breath. There's resources there for you, you know, for financial, for emotional, for health and wellness, whatever that may be, just take a breath. We're all in together. And everyone, like you said, needs to be compassionate, kind, and we'll get through this and we'll kind of go to the other side. Yeah. And I think it's probably too early to say this now, but I do think there are good things that will come out of this. Like if I can speak back to SARS in terms of healthcare and infection control, we learned a lot from SARS back in 2002, 2003. So prior to SARS, we never used alcohol-based hand rub. That was something that came out of SARS. We never in the hospital did things like hand hygiene audits. So right now what happens in the hospital is that there's a department just dedicated to infection control and hand washing. And they do these audits where there's um, an auditor that comes and watches um, healthcare providers, whether they wash their hands before or coming out of the room. So we never had that before. And I know that people are stressed right now, and this is obviously a really bad time, but I think this really highlighted some gaps in our healthcare system, and it's at the forefront of everyone's mind right now. So maybe the government will put more resources into healthcare moving forward. After this all dies down a bit, I think um, there are a lot of different opportunities for improvement, and um, we could really just uh, learn from this situation. Which is great, and it's true. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I think every from every challenge is actually a great learning growth and i think you know when i looked at psychology and stuff on my side i did holistic lifestyle coaching for like six years the one thing is your greatest challenge will give you the best best growth right it's when mm-hmm. the things are so easy you don't really grow from it but when you go to university when you have the, that hardest challenge that relationship when you sit back and you do it like a debriefing of it right or post postmortem or anything along that line whatever you want to call it the technical terms you kind of go, oh my God, I learned this, I learned this, I learned this, I learned this. Like, oh my God, you know, and you know, you look at, and I'll just use a relationship, for example, you learn, yeah, you know what, I could have been more caring. I could have been, you know, more, uh, provide more communication and shared what I was feeling and, you know, yada, yada. And now you learn it, now you improve for your next relationship. This goes for jobs, work, everything in your board, education. When you do that, you learn so much, but it's when you do that hard work. Well, we're doing the hard work right now and society is really kind of right. shining a light on what do we need to learn and what do we need to work together. And you're seeing people's true personalities of the ones that they can handle what, you know, when things kind of go, you know, to a muck and people that just are under so much stress, they don't know what to do. Yeah. Right. Right. At least one of the things I have noticed is a lot of people are really pulling together. Like I'm, I'm so grateful for the team that I work with that, Everybody is really just trying to help one another. We're really trying to put our best foot forward. Um, I think, I think those are the things that we want to see. And I, and people are doing things like cheering for that. They're like setting up times where they're cheering for healthcare workers because they can't, because we're social distancing. And, um, I think those, we're seeing the positive aspects of, um, of our community coming out through this through this negative type of experience. But I think, I think ultimately, I think, um, I'm hoping that, um, 
we can really flatten that curve, plank the curve, and that we'll see a lot of good come out through um, this this unfortunate time. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, mm-hmm. I've asked all the questions I had. You know, th- you know, there's so much great information and value. I know the people that are watching this. Hopefully, you're you've watched it to this point, right, or listened to this. You know, at home with your family, with everyone, and you're getting a lot of information now. Sarah, Amy, is there anything else you want to add? Any kind of advice, recommendations? Hmm. What do you think, Sarah? I think we've talked about a lot. I mean, nothing's jumping out in my mind. Yeah. No, nothing's really yeah. jumping out in my mind. I think it's just, I think we just need to be, it's it's a difficult time. We just need to be compassionate and we need to to follow the directions that we're receiving from from the, the the science and the evidence that we're getting i think um that's really important that we're hearing some uh, like we're hearing that it's important to wash your hands it's important to if you're not feeling well to cough sneeze into your sleeve like i think those are some principles that are just good to have in general and then just just to just to triage yourself to say hey you know yeah this is stressful what are some of the things that i can do to mitigate this stress whether it's like I do some yoga at home or I take a nice walk because they're not saying that you can't go out. They're just saying not to go out in large groups of people. So like still feel free to go have your walk and whatnot. But I mean, I think um, I think just some of those things are things that we should just kind of keep in mind. Yeah. Perfect. And And this is a dynamic situation too. Yeah, it's a dynamic situation. It's changing daily. So just try to roll with the punches as much as you can and know that everyone is doing the best uh, job that they can. But um, nobody can see the future. So we don't know a week from now, a month from now, what things are going to look like. It really depends on the actions that we take now. True. And then when we kind of finalize on that is that the economy will recover. Right. These yeah. these things will recover. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I said this to a colleague of mine, another friend of mine that I was talking to. I said, at the end of the day, the business people, the CEOs, the you know, the board of managers, board of directors, all those guys, they want to make money. So they'll figure yeah. it out. Well, <laughs> they'll I, figure I, it I, out. As soon as we're like, you can go back to work. Trust me, they'll have the sales force, the team, the manufacturing, <laughs> the supply chain management. They'll have it all up and going, and it'll be like, okay, why weren't we doing this yesterday? So the economy will recover. It will take a little bit of time. We have to be patient. Of course, I, I completely understand that, but it will recover because we're not going to completely stop. And the fear base right. of that, the economy is going to fall. Yes, it's going to take it. We ha- we've been through our bear and our bull markets and, and all that. It all always recovers because at the end of the day, these guys want to be successful. They want to be abundant. So they're going right. to work hard they're, and they're going to help work with their teams to get back you know, going. So just breathe, just trying to be, you know, compassionate to each other, like you guys are saying, and like do things that are fun with the family and everyone else around you. Read, like go yep. and stay, sit out in the sun a little bit if you can. I know it's cold here in <laughs> Toronto, but wherever you are, if you can sit out in the sun for a little bit, just breathe in and just kind of relax. I agree. Absolutely. Per- Good advice. Perfect. Well, uh, you guys have a podcast. It's the Gritty Nurse Podcast. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna post the, the the link in the description below. So if you guys want to check out these amazing nurses and what they talk about and kind of their scenarios, and I know for you guys we didn't really kind of talk about, but the scenarios that you guys deal with day to day and work, you kind of talk about that on your podcast. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we talk about it with a lot of grit and a lot of heart, and uh, 
we, we really want to get to what people, we want to make this podcast so people can understand the healthcare system and, and hear it through, whether it's a funny story or something that has happened to us, we really bring out our experiences. So we, we would definitely love for you guys to have a listen. Yeah. So it's going to be in the description below. Uh, check them out. Uh, again, there you can hear the, a lot of value, a lot of information, great energy, as well as some great stories about what they're dealing with, you know, post, you know, you know, COVID-19, you know, they're going to be telling yeah. all that thing. So make sure you subscribe to their, their, uh, I guess it's your iTunes or Apple. We're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Hashtag yeah. gritty nurse. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate all the education, the value, especially this time when everyone's going through kind of their concerns about COVID-19 and just, you know, providing so much information that these guys will know going forward about what to do, you know, how, how to take care of themselves and just know that there's people behind them that are supporting them. So thank you so much. For sure. We're, we're willing to help and I'll be on the front lines and I'll be, of course, behind the scenes, making sure that we're keeping patients and families safe at all times. Awesome. So guys, I just want to remind you again, down in the description, it's going to be their podcast, going to have their show notes behind there as well. Uh, this has been amazing. Lots of great information. I've got all my questions answered. Hopefully you got yours. If you have any questions, comment below. Uh, again, I'll get in contact with, with these lovely ladies and just have them answer any questions that they, you might have and then any resources that you need. So just remember, software's hackle, being connected vulnerable. I'll see you next Daily Cyber.